0: The 334th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now.
1: This is the Four Corners Podcast.
0: I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina.
1: We win 54 to 53 North Carolina. 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! you way to Worthy! five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber frontcourt. Carolina
0: with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Frontcourt. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebound. It's May. It's over! 972, and how about them Tar Heels? They
1: are the national champions.
0: I've been the luckiest coach in the world.
1: Pump fake for three, too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gaggum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way.
0: My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would.
1: Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta.
0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys. Here to get you ready for Carolina-Syracuse. That game will come your way uh, on Tuesday night, 7 p.m., over on ESPN as Carolina will look to improve to 12-2 in the league while Syracuse will look to bounce back from a tough defeat at home to Clemson over the weekend. We'll take a look at the orange, tell you everything you need to know about Carolina, revisit the, the first matchup between these two schools before we give our keys to the game, pick the game, and so much more. But we start every preview edition of the pod, as we always do with our pod thought of the day, and we go to former uh, five-star recruit and former uh, one-and-done for Carolina basketball, Nazir Little. Um, and his quote is, and thought is, quote, a person that truly has a good work ethic, works hard in all aspects of life. They don't pick and choose. And um, I think you take away what we saw demonstrated in the Clemson defeat and kind of – the words that were communicated after that loss from Armando Baycott and Harrison Ingram. One thing we haven't denied this year is that this this is a team of indivi- of individuals and collectively that work as hard as, as any team we've seen in recent memory. Um, and the thing is, and, and Armando said it after the loss to Clemson, we're a really, really good basketball team. And Carolina is a gifted basketball team. But they're, they they have to play with a certain uh, with, with a certain standard to a certain standard. They got to play as hard as possible to maximize their true potential. This isn't a team like two thousand nine, two thousand twelve, and even to a certain extent that twenty sixteen team where you could just roll the ball out there and Carolina could beat you on just about any given night. This team, kind of like that 2017 team that won a national championship. They they played as hard as they could, uh, and as close to 40 minutes on a consistent basis as much as any team we'd ever seen up to that point, point. and that was a big reason why they won a national championship. Same thing can be said about this group. This team can win a national championship, but they got to play the way they played in the likes against the, you know the Duke game and other games to really reach their full potential. They got to turn their attention now from the win at Miami to Syracuse, as Carolina um, is back on the road yet again. Um, this will be their their seventh. No, this will be their eighth road game um, of conference play, and it feels like they've already played. You know more than more than that, considering how long it feels like they've been on the road at times. Syracuse, uh, an up and down season under their first year head coach, they're fifteen and nine, um, just six and seven in the league, but they are 11-1 and one in home games, and they just now suffered their first home loss of the year, that being at home to Clemson. So they've done a really good job protecting home court. They'll look to bounce back in a big way on Tuesday night. They have three players averaging double-figure scoring, led by Judah Menses, 18.2 points, 3.1 rebounds, 4.6 assists. He's shooting 43% from the field. from three, J.J. Starling, the former five-star transfer from Notre Dame, 13.2 points, 3.2 rebounds, 1.9 assists, 46% from the field, 31% from three, and Chris Bell, their last guy averaging double figures, 11.4 points, two rebounds, 0.7 assists, 41% from the field, 40% 40% from three. When you go back and when we we, we, we when we played Syracuse the first time, I kind of compared Adrian Autry's first year to kind of Hubert Huber Davis's first year at the time because their record wasn't overly terrible. Uh, but it was a team that was really, really good at home, not so good on the road. They, I mean, every time they left the JMA wireless dome is now what it's called. They were getting blown out, and they would go to Chapel Hill on a Saturday, and Carolina would run them out of the gym. It's no longer that same thing, because this team, barring a a significant run to end the regular season where they have to win out, or winning the ACC tournament, this team isn't going dancing, but given how good they've been at home, given how... Frustrating The last two, two and a half weeks have been for them. They're looking for a win to salvage what's a lost season, if you will, for that program and its expectations. And the best way to do that is to upset what still figures to be a top five team on their home floor Tuesday night.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's still a team that has talent. And that was what we talked about the first time that this team came here was it's guys that just have not really clicked together this year. Um, you know, Judah Mintz is one of the better guards in the conference. He's still playing at a high level. But J.J. Starling is is a guy that I think a lot of people thought um, would be right there with him and would provide one of the best one-two punches in the country in that backcourt. Um, but you just haven't really seen it. And some of the other guys that I think people thought would take steps forward, like Betty Williams, their big man, uh, just it, it hasn't been there for them. Um, but at the same time, it's a team that once again is going to be able to stretch the floor on Carolina. Um, And that's one of the things that Carolina has to be able to meet head on, because I thought uh, even though they were better in the second half and Miami only shot two of 14 from beyond the arc uh, the other night, it, it still is not where Carolina needs to be defending the three um, here over these last few games. And if you don't defend the three well in this game, that's going to be an issue as well. So uh, it's it's going to be a challenge going up there. Um, they've lost, I believe they've lost twice at home. They lost to Clemson and I believe Florida State earlier in conference play. They did uh, fall to them at home as well. But even still, to just have two losses at home and, I mean, look, Florida State at the time was playing well. They've sort of faded here as of recently to take themselves out of ACC contention. And then Clemson, I mean, again, we've talked about it. We saw it the other night. Clemson is just as desperate, if not more desperate, than Syracuse because I think with Syracuse, there might be a realization starting to sink in that this is not a tournament team. So um, I, I think... There's still a chance that these guys believe in their mind that they can win, you know, win out, as you said, in the regular season. That's probably what it would take. Um, I know they have two quad one opportunities still left this game and Clemson, but even if they were to win both of those games, you do kind of wonder if it would be enough based on the fact that they are ranked 91st in the net. But it, it's, it's, What we talked about with this stretch that Carolina has at the end of the year, yeah, these aren't the greatest teams that Carolina has ever played coming down the stretch of a season. But at the same time, they are games that, you know, you're going up against teams that still feel like they have an outside shot or are in the tournament field and are trying to keep themselves in, um, and, and you've got to find a way to beat them. So for Carolina, again, it's going to really go back to bringing the right mindset to this game against a team that's going to be incredibly desperate.
0: Carolina enters this game with a 19-5, and 11-2 um, in the league, um, holding a one-game lead over Virginia. That trip to Charlottesville looming February 24th, a a game-and-a-half lead over Duke. Of course, you got the return game at Cameron to close out the regular season. As of recording, Carolina is still third in the AP poll. Um, I wouldn't expect them to fall any further than than fifth with all the things that happened this week. Number four, Kansas got beat. Some other top ten results around the country should help keep Carolina – inside the top five they're eighth in Ken Palm and 10th in the net they're six and one on the road this season coming off that road win at Miami over the weekend the heels have four players averaging double figure scoring led by R.J. Davis 21 and a half points 3.8 rebounds 3.5 assists he's shooting 43 percent from the field 41% from three. Armando Baycott, second on the team in scoring, 14.2 points, 10.3 rebounds. He's shooting 55% from the field. Harrison Ingram, third on the team in scoring, 12.5 points, 8.7 rebounds, 2.3 assists. He's shooting 44% from the field, 42% from three. And then Cormac Ryan. 10.3 points, 3.1 rebounds, 1.3 assists, despite shooting just 36% from the field and 29% from three. Carolina is averaging making 18.3 free throws per game, the ninth best mark in the country, and they're attempting 24.5 free throws per game, the 15th best mark in the country, and um, they're up to seventh in the country in rebounding. They average 41 4 rebounds per contest. So we've kind of set the scene, told you about Syracuse, updated you on the stats regarding Carolina. Coming up next, we'll revisit that first matchup, look at what went right for Carolina in a blowout win at home over Syracuse, discuss how important Elliot Cadeau needs to be for this team down the stretch before we give our keys to the game and pick the game. But first, got to give you A word from our sponsors uh, over at Autograph. Hey there, Josh here for the Autograph fandom app. Want to get rewarded for listening to our show? The team at Autograph, co-founded by Tom Brady is redefining the fan experience by letting users earn points for the acts of fandom they take every day, like listening to this show. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to your favorite UNC content in one place and offers rewards like tickets, exclusive merchandise, and much more. You're already listening to our show, but now you can earn points and get rewarded for it. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Fandom Rewarded and download it today. For free, using the referral code HEELTOUGH. Link and code are also in our podcast description. Make sure you get over to the Apple App Store, download the app, use that code, and get rewarded for listening to uh, two guys like us sitting here talking about Carolina basketball. Let's revisit the first matchup between these two schools. Back in January, it was a 103 67 win for Carolina at the time and improved the heels to 13 and 3 overall, 5 and 0 in the league. Meanwhile, Syracuse fell to 11 and 5 and 2 and 3 in conference play. The thing that stands out is the 103 points um, in a conference game. Carolina scored 50 or more um, in both halves, and it was during that streak where they were not allowing teams to. Uh, score more than 70 points in this game, Syracuse didn't even get to 70. I mean, it was a a day where Carolina was just efficient all the way around, led by R.J. Davis in his 22 points. Carolina shot 48% from the field. They were just 7 of 26 from three, but 22 of 27 from the foul line. They beat Syracuse up 53 to 30 on on the glass, including 19 to 7 uh, offensive rebounds, um, 20 fast break points, 56 points in the paint. Like it's one that when you look back at it and, and say for Carolina NACC play, we'll look at the Duke game as being the best performance because the way you played in the biggest game of the season. But this game is probably right there behind it in terms of being – the best we've seen Carolina on both ends of the floor in a conference game.
1: Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have really asked for much more in this one. And, you know, again, people say, well, there were games where Carolina allowed less points. When you score 103, it's going to lead to there being more possessions and probably Syracuse being able to score a little bit more, but – when you go back to this game, you know th- between this one and Tennessee, I mean, you could you you could not ask for better starts than either one of those two games. Um, Carolina just came out, punched this team in the mouth, and Syracuse had absolutely no response. Uh, to ask this team to shoot it the way that they did in that game, when that game was at home, uh, and that you were in a much better rhythm offensively than you are right now, just overall. I mean, I know Duke was. A really good night on the offensive end of the floor for you. But really, Carolina, these last, you know, five, six games overall, um, not playing the way that we, you know, had grown accustomed to them playing on the offensive end early in the season. So, I mean, look, the thing is, is, you know, it's going to be tougher. It's going to be a game that you're probably going to have to grind out. But um, you would like to think that the way that you defended them in the first game of the year – uh, that you would be able to sort of, you know, remember back to that, um, build off of some of those things that you did in that game. And if you're able to do that, you know, this is a team that, you know, offensively they're scoring 75 points per game, which is solid. It's not the greatest in the country. Um, but it's a team that's not shooting great overall, um, at 44%, and a team that's not shooting all that well from beyond the arc overall either uh, at 32.7%. So it feels like Carolina, you know, they, they, they're facing a team that isn't nearly as good offensively, um, especially shooting-wise, as some of the teams that they've uh, faced recently. So maybe that will allow them to be successful on that end of the floor. And then if you remember – Back to the first game against Syracuse offensively, it was really just about getting to the basket. This is a team that just does not have um, a ton of size inside. Uh, they got a couple of guys off the bench that that have length, but uh, the m- majority of those guys will be focused on Armando Baycott. Um, this, this is just a team that wasn't able to stay in front of you the first time you met, and I think that's got to be the game plan going into this game as well with Carolina wants to roll out with a victory.
0: One thing we didn't talk about um, as much as I maybe wanted to in the Miami game was the play of Elliott Cadeau. Uh, He he scored a career-high 19 points, handed out eight assists, but did commit five turnovers. It was like the perfect storm of him playing at a really, really high level. And then he made some boneheaded mistakes and had some turnover issues at times in the game as well. But the thing that stood out with his 19 points, he took 14 shots and made seven of them. So he was very efficient from the field, including two of six from behind the three-point line. And that's the that's that's the first time we've really seen him seek his own offense in that way, really outside of the game at Florida State, where he came out of the second half – and was like uh one of those bulls in Spain, and he was just running to the basket and living at the rim or going to the foul line. And um, to me, you know, that, that that had to be something that was communicated from head coach Uber Davis because you were starting to get to a point like you were with Leaky Black where Carolina was playing four on five offensively. And you you were seeing him being dared to shoot the ball. And, you know, two of six from the perimeter isn't the most efficient number in the world, but he made two of them. And um, Carolina's going to need him to be confident in his ability to make shots down the stretch because as you get deeper, deeper into the season, you play against uh, Virginia, you get that rematch against Duke, he may have to make a shot or two to help you come out of the other side of that game for a victory. And so with that in mind, how important is it for him to establish himself as a consistent scoring threat when he's on the floor with Carolina starters?
1: I think it's very important because it's gotten to the point now where you just – I mean, what what do you expect from Cormac Ryan on the offensive end? At each game, you just you don't know because you want to believe that he's a guy that's gonna see it start to click, the shots are gonna start to fall, he's gonna get more aggressive going to the basket, something like that. But for some reason, it just that does not seem to be the case. Um, you know, again, Armando Baycott, we've talked about it with him on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, for some reason, they just don't want to get the ball inside to him but uh, okay if you if you're gonna take that strategy and Cormac Ryan's not gonna shoot the ball well from beyond the arc um or really just overall, then you're gonna need Elliott Cadeau to step up. It can't just be r j Davis and Harrison Ingram trying to carry you because one Harrison Ingram is a guy that just does not seem to put up a ton of shots uh the the volume of shots that he's taken throughout the year. I mean typically he's in that single digit range, so. You're putting way too much on R.J. Davis. That means that you need Elliot Cadeau to step up. And the thing that I like the best about Elliot Cadeau is that when he's at his best, when he's scoring at a high level, it's because he's attacking the rim. Yeah, we we saw against Miami, he hits the two outside shots. That was huge. I mean, the two outside shots, believe it or not, that is a third of his production from beyond the arc in terms of makes this season. Uh, He has six the entire year, and hopefully that was what he needed to see to sort of get himself going from beyond the arc. I'm not saying that this means that he's going to come out there and all of a sudden he's going to be shooting 45% from beyond the arc the rest of the way, but you'd just like to see that be a, a part of what he's able to do because teams are starting to do what we saw them do to Carolina the last couple of years with certain guys, which is just that we don't have to worry about him from beyond the arc. We we can, you know, sag in, sort of take everything else away and force him to have to shoot that shot from the outside. If he can start knocking that shot down, that could really, really change how teams have to defend Carolina. It could make it more difficult – And I think, you know, he's definitely capable of it because I I kept saying when we were talking about the struggles that we saw from him, I watched him last year, watched his high high school tape, and you could see that that the shooting was there. Um, Watched him at the Geico Nationals, and it was obvious that there is a, a pretty complete offensive game here. It just feels like maybe it has taken him a little bit of time to settle in. Again, I don't think he's going to be a dead-eye shooter at any point in his career, um, not you know to the level that we've seen R.J. Davis, uh, you know, Marcus Page, uh, Joel Berry, those types of guys. I don't think he's going to be that big of a threat from the outside as a point guard. But still, I, I feel like he- he- you saw hopefully an important step for him on the offensive end, and Carolina really needs it because they just – There's nothing guaranteed with anybody outside of R.J. Davis on that end of the floor here in the last month. So somebody has to step up.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the comparisons to Kendall Marshall, they just – they continue to grow. When you look at Kendall, they didn't need him to score. But when he did score, it took Carolina to another level. Um, Most nights, Carolina doesn't need Elliott Codot to score because you're going to get enough from R.J. – Harrison, Mondo, maybe Seth Trimble off the bench to where you're not looking for production from him. But when he does score, it takes Carolina to another gear. And if they're going to play with the likes of Purdue and and UConn, you're going to need that other guy stepping up. Um to 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 put the ball in the basket, and so um, you know, I I think the most important thing for him, and every freshman has to figure this out as they move along, is they've got to figure out when to when to see you know when to find their own offense and when to to find offense for others. And so um, you know, I, I think it's encouraging that he's being encouraged to shoot the ball. It means that this staff believes in his ability to score and you like the aggressive nature that he displayed yesterday, Um, and and hopefully he builds off of that because if he can become a guy that is on a nightly basis giving you anywhere from 8 to to 12 points, it's really going to take Carolina to another gear, and it makes it a lot more plausible to see them competing for and maybe making a run Mm -hmm. to the Final Four. Let's get to our keys to the game here. Uh, for the second game against Syracuse. The first game we talked about containing Judah Mintz. The same thing's going to be uh, a key in this game. But I also added J.J. Starling to this, a guy that's a double-digit scorer as well, but mainly because as of recording, we just don't know Seth Trimble's status. He went mm-hmm. through some pregame stuff yesterday with Marcus Page, but it was was ultimately – held out of the game. We've seen his 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 loss, his his absence really impact this team on the defensive end of the court. And um, the thing about Mintz is, you know, he's not just one of the better guards in the ACC. This is one of the better guards in the country. And when JJ Starling gets it cooking, I mean they can play as 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 well a two man game as any any duo that this this league has to offer. And if we're operating with Trimble not playing, how's Carolina going to combat that? I think you've got to like what you've seen so far from the energy and the effort Pax and Wojcik's giving you off the bench. Um, and I would ex- I would expect that to continue. Um, I'd love to have confidence and faith that if Huber Davis wanted to play bigger and put Jalen Withers on one of those two guys – Like, you could do that. But Jalen Withers in the last two games has played a combined 10 minutes. And so for whatever reason, there isn't a trust uh, in him to put him on the court for a significant amount of time. I mean, the other day, in five minutes, he made three mistakes, never entered the ball game again. Mm -hmm. And and so Mm -hmm. it's going to be imperative if Carolina is without Steph Trimble they limit those two guys because when those, when, when, when those two guys get, if they get heated up and they start cooking, they can, they, they, they can effectively shoot you out of the gym. Well, here's the
1: thing is that, yeah, Judah Mintz is is still producing the way that we expected him to produce. I mean, um, he's been outstanding. I mean, three of the last six games, he scored more than 20 points. Uh, The thing that, I did not notice until I looked at his game logs is that J.J. Starling is starting to sort of settle in. So early in the season, I mean, he was a guy that couldn't really even get to double digits most nights. Uh, There was just he he wasn't in rhythm. Um, It it just the, the fit with Syracuse. Some people were questioning whether or not he ultimately made the right move but the last 8 games he's averaging 17.9 points per game so of course he is rounded into form as carolina gets ready to play him that means you got a backcourt duo that is probably averaging in that stretch somewhere around 35 36 points per game so carolina has got to be you know aware that that's the area that you've got to focus on taking away and as you said we have no idea what Seth Trimble's status is going to be. Carolina has really struggled with that. There's just no way around it. Like that first half the other night uh, or, or the other afternoon against Miami, Nigel Pack probably doesn't have that type of first half Seth Trimble is available. You'd imagine they would have brought Trimble on when he's on him maybe things settle down a little bit. Same thing with the game against Clemson. Joe Girard hits clutch shot after clutch shot because Cormac Ryan just could not find a way to contain him. This is going to have to be a really strong performance from this backcourt defensively. Um, R.J. Davis, to me, hasn't really been that huge of an issue. Cormac Ryan, I think the thing – like, you can say he has not defended well the last two games. And I think, especially when you go back to the Syracuse game, there were times where you know he's guessing, he's just trying to predict where guys are going to go, and it allows guys to get free and knock down shots. I thought against Miami, the biggest thing was you saw them start to screen him a lot more, and – when he gets screened, he's a guy that struggles to fight through those. It forces Carolina to switch a lot, and you get some of these mismatches. So uh, it's really going to you know, be up to Carolina. They've, they've got to find a way to take away these guards to the best of their ability. I'm not saying you got to completely shut them down, but make somebody else beat you because they've got some talent. Chris Bell's a guy that can shoot it well from the outside. Malik Brown, solid player as well, but if you let Mintz and Starling take over this game, which is what Syracuse is going to be looking for, that's what could have you in trouble and in a closer game than you're really hoping for. And
0: yeah, no, you're 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 exactly right, and I do think Carolina um, will have their hands full with these two guys, and it's going to take um a really good individual and team effort to really slow down that backcourt duo that is as good as as any of this conference has to offer. Second key to the game, very simple. It's it's the same game plan you had in the first game which was you played inside out. Carolina scored 58 points in the paint against Syracuse in the first matchup. They scored 58 of their 103 points inside the painted area. And you know, a lot of people very critical, once again, of the game that Armando Baycott had against Miami, which doesn't make a lot of sense because Carolina doesn't win the game without him. There would have been a message sent to my guards after that game with the way, if I, if I was Armando Baycott, with the way that I worked and battled and and got consistent post position and was never rewarded with the post touch. And here's the thing, that was going up against North Chad O'Meara. Amir is right up there in the same breath as Mondo, Filipowski in terms of being the best big this conference has to offer. Syracuse doesn't have that. They don't have a guy that can consistently hold his own if if Carolina is going through Armando Baycott, and and so the first the first order of business needs to be get him established, play through him. You play through him against Duke and you put together your most, maybe your best offensive performance while things considered, the opponent, the stage of the game, and whatnot. So as much as this team is oriented to R.J. Davis being the primary option, your offense still is at its best when it's going through the big fella. And then for the guards, uh, you saw it yesterday in the second half against Miami. There aren't many guys that can stay in front of Elliott Cadeau, and there aren't many guys that can keep – RJ Davis from getting to the rim whenever they want to get there, and you know Syracuse will play a little bit of zone. But one thing that does look different now in the post Jim Boeheim era era is that they play man to man defense. You got to put consistent pressure on the rim, and so this needs to be a game. And I think we'll know from the uh, from the onset if they're if they if they've got the right mindset going because Carolina should live in and at the rim, because the first matchup would suggest to you, Syracuse has a little to no resistance against it.
1: I mean, yeah, the, the game plan is there for you. You've already seen it. So, I, I mean, to me, and I mean, the other thing was Carolina got to the line 27 times in that game. So it was just about an attacking mindset from the word go. Uh, because, yeah, they play small. Um, you know, Armando will be matched up inside. Um, against Malik Brown, and Malik Brown's a guy that for his size rebounds well, but, I mean, that's a guy that I don't think should be able to handle Armando Baycott. So, yeah, you want to see them get post-touches. Love to see more of that high ball screen um, because I think that just does such a great job of freeing these guards up and allowing them to get downhill. This Syracuse team is not good defensively. They allow over 74 points per game, which is 259th in the country. So this is a team that is going to allow you to score. The way that they win games is high-scoring affairs. But for, for Carolina, I mean, nothing has been guaranteed here lately in terms of, the, of scoring the basketball because it seems like their shot selection, especially since that Georgia Tech game, their shot selection – has just been infuriating. It it reminds me a lot of what we saw at times last year. And this team, I think even more than last year's team, is so much better at being able to drive to the lane and I think that's what you want to see from your guards that's got to be the message that gets sent I mean even you know again the other night Cormac Ryan first shot of the game I believe was a was a shot from inside the arc he misses it and then he doesn't take another shot from inside the three-point line the rest of the day I, I just to me I don't get why he's not being more aggressive trying to get To the basket. Um, There's times where RJ is is, you know driving, but then stops his drive and tries to pull up for a mid-range jumper. Those that that is frustrating to a certain extent. It it needs to be hammered home to these guys that you need to attack this team because they are not going to have an answer for you. They've proven that to you. I know this. You know this team might be a little bit different. It usually is the second time that you meet a team. And especially when you were as dominant as you were in a certain area against them, you'd expect them to try to take it away. But I got to be honest, this Syracuse team that you're playing now isn't as good as the team that you played a few weeks ago. So uh, to me, yeah, that's got to be the game plan. Make, Make them show you that they can stop you from getting to the lane. And then you have to find a way to knock down those outside shots. But if they can't prove that they can stop it, that should be the game plan the whole day.
0: Last key to the game for me is win the battle of the boards. You beat them on the glass, fifty-three to thirty in the first matchup, including nineteen to seven in the offensive uh, uh, rebounding category. And um, you know when 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 you look at this game, even though like in the zone, like when Syracuse played zone, it made sense why Carolina pummeled them on the glass. Teams that play zone are suspect to giving up offensive rebounds. But even in their, it, with them playing more man-to-man defense, they still had little to no resistance for you just pummeling them on the boards. And so if Carolina's not going to shoot the ball well – um, and with this game being on the road and being in a dome, you just never quite know what the shooting per- uh, performance is going to look like. If you can, con- you know, consistently get offensive rebounds and second chance points, it helps you. If you it helps it helps you overcome a poor shooting night. Um, you know, I think Armando Baycott kind of has reestablished himself as the the premier post presence for this group. Um, I think one thing that's really impacted Carolina is. Because Harrison Ingram shot the ball so well from the outside, he's playing more on the perimeter. He's not as impactful as a rebounder when you're standing around the three-point line. And I, I look, I love the three-point shooting, and I think this team needs the three-point shooting. But when you're not being featured from the perimeter, we still we still need him on the glass making an impact in this game, and so. Um, And then, of course, if you control the rebounding game, you control the pace, the tempo, and all those things that that really matter as you try to win a game on the road. And so um, expect Syracuse to put up a better fight um, because if they get get out-rebounded by 23 at home, um, those Northerners might throw something at them. Um, Mm. But nonetheless, this needs to be a game where Carolina uses their size, their strength, and really just their effort to once again beat Syracuse up on the glass, which in the long run – Linz to Carolina, most likely winning the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the first matchup, like Armando uh, Harrison dominant in that one, um, 11 and 10 respectively for those guys. But, you know, the bench contributed really well in that one. Jalen Withers, six rebounds. Uh, Ja'Len Washington 6 rebounds, James Akonkwu 4 rebounds. Now, Conquo played a lot in that game because he got in late, Carolina was up by so much and that's the reason that he played in that one. But you saw it across the board, everybody that touched the floor in that game had at least one rebound. And that was just that 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 was the mindset for Carolina, but I think it also shows that Syracuse is not a great rebounding team. They play small, nearly the entire time, even some of their guys that are big guys are not the best rebounders. So Carolina's got to take advantage of it. And the area that you really want to see this show up is on the offensive end of the floor because if Carolina can get – I mean, they don't have to get 19 offensive rebounds. That, that might be asking a little bit too much. Um, in this one. But if you can create those second chance opportunities, there's times we've said it, you know, just talking. I don't know if we brought it up here on the podcast, but even just talking, you know, amongst ourselves during games, there were times where in the past you could just throw the ball up off the glass and someone could go get an offensive rebound and create a second chance opportunity. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's been many games where Carolina's been able to do that this year. This is one of them, though. And if Carolina can sort of recreate a little bit of what they did on the glass in the first matchup, I don't think there's any way that Syracuse is going to be able to, you know, stick around and, and and compete with Carolina because I mean if they can if they can dominate and create those those other opportunities, I mean, it just creates so many extra possessions for you. And I think that's that's got to be the mindset that Carolina takes into this game. They don't have the size to be able to stop your big guys. I feel confident that Armando Baycott will be locked into that mindset because since the uh, Duke game, he has been. He's been the guy that we are expecting him to be down the stretch of the season. So to me, you know, I feel pretty confident in this area, and it could ultimately be the big difference in why Carolina is potentially able to win more comfortably than they have here. Uh, In in recent weeks,
0: Carolina enters with an 80.4% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's analytics. Who wins the game and why? I think Carolina wins the game. Uh, Syracuse, I get it. Another desperate team that Carolina
1: is playing. But I feel like this is a team that Carolina is simply just better than. When you dominate a team the way that they did the first matchup, I find it hard to believe that they're just going to storm in and be able to find a way or, or uh, you storm into their place and yet they find a way to beat you. Um, look, I think this will be a much tougher game than the first time around. I think you know, this will be a game that in you know the first part of the second half may still be in doubt. But I feel like this will probably – feel a lot like the games that Carolina played early in conference play where Carolina doesn't quite put the game away because I just don't think they're at that point right now it feels like they're still working through some things but I think the dominance that Carolina will be able to show on the glass I think Armando Baycott will have a big night and I feel like you know, especially if Seth Trimble can play, I, I feel like at some point this bench has to be able to respond to the struggles that they have. I think this could be one of those games where Carolina's bench responds. I like Carolina to win this one, win it by double digits, but probably somewhere in that ten to twelve point range.
0: Yeah, I I, I think Carolina wins. Um, I, I don't know how much Syracuse has left emotionally in this season after losing at home to Clemson on Saturday. They needed that win to really keep any hopes of them making the NCAA tournament alive because this team's not winning four games in four days in the ACC tournament. Um, they're just not. They're not. They're not built to do it. They're not equipped to do it. And you don't got a Hall of Famer on your sidelines to guide you through that type of run. And so I think you see Carolina maybe put together one of their more complete performances of the season on the road, and I think they they, they get a big-time win over the Orange to keep them atop the standings in the ACC heading into uh, a home game next weekend against Virginia Tech. Well, no matter what happens, we'll have you covered. com, where if you want to go back and check out more on the Miami game, that recap, is posted but of course be turning around and getting you ready for this game with syracuse as i continue to take you through uh the basketball season any news and notes that comes out of mac brown's football program anthony has you covered on that so stay tuned to the heel tough blog.com for the latest on carolina basketball Tar Heel football coverage as for the podcast you guys know where to find us every major podcasting platform simply search the four corners podcast and we will pop up We're there we do encourage you guys to rate review and subscribe that way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season well with that guys it is going to wrap up this edition of the show doing like Anthony for hosting with me we want to thank you guys for listening and as always go Tar Heels Sweden don't